Hey, what are you doing on March 6th and 7th? How about making your way to DX3 in Toronto for a two-day deep dive into digital marketing, digital advertising, and digital retailing? Along with a free exhibit hall, there are going to be over 40 sessions, including speakers from Microsoft, Salesforce.com, Google, Well.ca, Facebook, Lowe's, and Mountain Equipment Co-op. Come see what one attendee called a rare thing in the digital world. Register at www.dx3canada.com today. See you there. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Everybody and welcome to this week in location-based marketing. Today, today is the day after Valentine's Day, February fifteenth, twenty thirteen. This is episode number one hundred and seventeen. My name, of course, Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv in balmy Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. With me, as usual, for all one hundred and sixteen previous episodes. No strikes here. No substitutes. The one, the only. Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Located. Where yes. are you, you're in Toronto. This is great. I'm actually in Toronto, yeah. yeah. Home. Home, 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 Toronto, man. And uh, for those hockey fans for a second, we just got, you know, um, uh, we got to talk about this for a second because there's a Battle of Ontario that's coming up. By the time this episode is live, it will have happened where the Ottawa Senators trounced the Toronto Maple Leafs in, at, in Maple Leaf Garden, uh, despite the fact that we have lost our number one and number two top scorers on the team in, in uh, Spezza and Carlson. Uh, yeah, mm. Terrible, terrible blows. But um, I, Sounds like excuses to me, but anyway. I'm just setting the groundwork, that's all. Uh, you know what? I, uh, one, of, one of the greatest <laughs> exports that came out of Toronto is, uh, is a, is a uh, roots band, a, roots, a Canadian roots band called Blue Rodeo. I saw them last night at Scotiabank Place uh, for Valentine's Day. They Basically, it is the best thing in the world because it, they come here every Valentine's Day and it's like a pass. I know exactly what I need to do on Valentine's Day and uh, just work on getting great t- seats. So there's, there's the one export that I can appreciate from Toronto. Aside from receive. There you yeah. go. Speaking of roots, another great company. Right Canadian there. roots, yes. There you go. <laughs> so big, uh, big episode. Before we jump into this episode, uh, a few uh, quick announcements. I want to welcome you folks who are listening from GPS Business News and Street Fight. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for participating. If you guys want to reach out and communicate with us, there are a few ways to do that. You can reach out at rob at untether.tv or seif at the lbma.com. You can reach us on Twitter at Rob Woodbridge or at Asif Arkan. And you can also leave voicemail for us now at untether.tv forward slash talk. That's T-A-L-K. Leave a voicemail for us. Leave a comment. Leave a suggestion. We'll play it on the air. Don't be shy, but keep it to 30 seconds or less. Some of them that we got last week were like three and a half minutes, and I can't use any of that. And I'm not going to edit them. So please just keep it to 30 seconds or less at untether.tv slash talk. See, if you've got some big things that are coming up in uh, in the next couple of weeks, why don't you talk about what's going on with the LBMA before we get into the stories? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a busy uh, next few weeks coming up. Uh, well, it's always busy, but uh, we've got a couple of events that uh, I'd like to highlight. So uh, at the end of this month, on February the 28th, uh, the LBMA Atlanta chapter is hosting a, an event uh, in partnership with a, an agency called 22 Squared. Um, so again, it's on the 28th. Um, it should be great. We've got a, 
I'm going to head down there, going to do a quick little uh, sort of welcome and uh, highlight some of the new data from our, our, our recent study. But, uh, yeah, we've got Coca-Cola involved. We've got Scout Mob on the panel, Toyota, a um, uh, partner from uh, Sapronov and Associates, which is a, a law firm doing some work around privacy and location issues. So so a good general discussion about, you know, all things location. And, uh, again, February 28th in Atlanta. Uh, just prior to that, that uh, that same week, uh, I'll be in Las Vegas for the Digital Signage Expo, uh, which is a huge conference, the biggest gathering in North America of digital signage uh, companies, uh, vendors, suppliers, manufacturers, uh, you know, uh, mobile companies, all trying to work around digital out of home uh, and digital signage and um, uh, place-based media as well. So. You know, that, that should be really fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of people. I'm doing a session over there on location and mobile and how that's coming together with digital out of home. Um, so looking forward to that as well. So uh, all of those events are on the site. So thelbma.com forward slash events. Yeah, because you don't know anything about digital out of home and location-based marketing and mobile and all that stuff, right, Asif? Totally out of, out of water for you. Like this is like fish out of water. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, man, you know. Good luck yeah, with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, support these events. Uh, go to, uh, hit, 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 if you're in Atlanta or the Atlanta area, hit up the LBMA event in Atlanta and also Digital Signage Expo in Vegas. There's no reason that you shouldn't go to Vegas. Just go, go to Vegas. And for those of you who are uh, heading off, I mean, it's Mobile World Congress and then it's South by Southwest. This is a pretty busy time, of which I'm not attending any of them. But enjoy those who are. All right, before we even get to the news, uh, you know, we've got this great new segment, which uh, had um, uh, incredible feedback around, which is our, our little app fascination. The things that we love, the apps that we find that we love, that we're using every day. And we've had a couple of weeks of this and, and uh, it's sticking. I don't know, but it is sticking because we use these apps and why not share that? Why not share some of these location, these innovative location-based marketing apps that we, we love so much. So today, Asif, you happen to find one here. We've talked about these guys before. But uh, your fascination t is? It's called TalkBits, uh, T-A-L-K-B-I-T-S. Uh, these guys are out of uh, Zurich. And, uh, yeah, we have talked about these guys before. They raised a little bit of capital a little while back, about $2 million bucks, And uh, they, um, you know, they're back in the news this week and sort of kind of jumped back on my radar. And, um, you know, they're doing some really interesting things. And TalkBits is sort of described as the the fusion between social discovery apps like Banjo or Highlight um, and uh, old-fashioned old walkie-talkies. Um, and uh, so it's really interesting. It's all about, um, you know, voice messages instead of text-based discovery. It's all about, you know, letting people hear, you know, short messages from uh, those around them, um, either in a private way or, or a very public way. So you can create, you know, your own community, your own private channel. Or like in the old days of walkie-talkie, you can listen in on other channels, uh, which was part of the fascination of, you know, for a lot of kids growing up, you know, that had a walkie-talkie, you know, is kind of just listening in, hearing what the truckers are saying and the, all the call signs back and forth. And so, so it's a little bit interesting for me to see that, you know, the, in a smartphone age, that a walkie-talkie kind of functionality can, can be relevant. So, so I like it. I like the fun of it. Um, I think it's interesting. They they uh, they're European based as I said, but they they just announced last week um, or this week actually that uh, that they uh, they've launched in the U.S. and the U.K. as well. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes, how that growth emerges, and yeah, could be fun. 
This is this is why th these are the things that we love, right? We we've talked about broadcaster a lot, uh, and uh, and it's for that reason that 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 audio archiving and the ability to to create some kind of experience around a place. And I love how this takes it a little bit further. And you know, a couple of years ago there was all the rage, which was the group text messaging, and and I think that this this actually could emerge as 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 you know the radio of mobile. And uh, I love the fact that you're as you're right. It's like. CBs aren't dead. Truckers aren't dead. We, you know, we're going to be talking about Breaker Breaker and stuff like that all the way throughout uh, as a result of mobile. And, and uh, TalkBits is right now. It's so, it's so cool. Like, well, it's, it's interesting for me. Like, when you think about all those, like, th those little call signs and the Breaker Breakers yeah. and all that, I mean, and, and you think about how teenagers use SMS yeah. today and all those little, like, short codes and the LOLs and the, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I'm certainly not up on all the all the all the, uh, the different short codes that people use on there. But you know, the, think about that in the context of voice in in a platform like this. Um, to me, that becomes really interesting, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, kind of figure those things out, and you know, for for you know, for that next generation to kind of come along, where we're gonna we know voice is gonna be huge. We know Siri and and platforms like that are gonna be huge, and, and they're gonna be a big part of the way we interact with with this technology around us. Uh, we know, for, you know, rumors are Apple's working on a uh, on a watch now. Uh, we know voice will be, you know, if they if it goes there, voice will be a big part of something like that uh, as well. You know, so for me, this is this is why I like this platform. This is why I pulled it out this week and said, you know, th this is an app people should check out and, and as as a prelude of what's to come. You know, I c couldn't agree with you more on this. Is that uh, you, even uh, how many people use the phone these days, right? It's it's so funny because at one point the phone is heralded as the single greatest communication tool on the planet. It it actually brought the planet closer together. My mother lived in Bangladesh in the 80s, and we would um, we would have a call a week for like 13 minutes because it was the only time we could get connectivity to Bangladesh just over pots, just over cell like telephone lines. And and then you flash forward 15 years, and I'm talking to my mother. Well, I'm in a Walmart in uh, you know in Florida, and she's flying over northern Pakistan on a helicopter. Cell phone technology has brought that together. Now we're looking at phones as an intrusion. When my phone rings, it is an interruption. I don't answer it. I never answer the phone. If you want to reach me, send me a text message. Send me an email. I will respond at my leisure. Do not interrupt me. And I think that this is going to follow that trend. You could see this. Is that you walk into the office? That's why you never take my calls. What's right, that? Bro? See, that's why you don't take my calls. I, I hate the phone, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that you see this kind of technology emerging where, where you can leave messages the same way that you leave voicemail, the same way that, that you yep. leave uh, text messages. And, and so, yeah, TalkBits, check it out. They're, they're available in the App Store uh, for, obviously, iOS and for Android. Uh, they're available in the Google Play Store. And uh, so go download that or head out to TalkBits.com, take a look at the video. And, uh, yeah, I love it. Great, great fascination. A safe, good app. Mm -hmm. So on, on the show uh, today, we've got a bevy of great stories, great insight from these. Some of these are great. Some of these are terrible. Certainly uh, our special guest, we talked about this app. It was a fascinating, a fascination of mine. Uh, it still is uh, a number of weeks ago. I still haven't broken my record of like 5,300 steps. Uh, it's the Moves app. And I've got the founder of, uh, and, this, and, and the, the CEO and the chief designer, basically, of, uh, of this Moves app. His name is Sample Kar Karjalainen. I butchered it when I interviewed him. I butchered it now. I'll butcher it every time. Uh, Karla, Kar yeah. See, 
it just doesn't work. But Karjalainen is uh, <laughs> is Sampo's name, and he, he's going to be talking about about moves and about uh, the reasons why he built it. Um, and he, he'll be coming up in a little while. We've certainly got our stories, certainly some funding, and uh, and our resource of the week, which is very cool. This is what big data really means, and how it can help you uh, with uh, with a company like Esri putting out some really interesting stats. You're gonna have to wait till the end of that. So why don't we jump and start this discussion? on location-based marketing tactics, tips, and suggestions, and a little bit of insight with our first story. This is a pretty cool tool. I got to tell you that the first time I heard this, this is about ping for alerts. The first time I read this, Asif, when you suggested this story, I thought, ah, no. But then as I was thinking about this a little bit deeper, and I was reading some of the articles, and I was reading about the company, I thought, oh, yeah, I love this. Ping for alerts. Talk about these guys. First story. They raise a little bit of money. Yeah. Great, great company uh, out of New Hampshire. Um, one of the founders is a guy named Norm Archer, and I actually had a chance to chat with Norm this week. Uh, they raised $4 million uh, to kind of take this platform forward. And this is all about emergency alerts um, in a very hyper-local way. And uh, the interesting thing about this for me is, is you know, there, there's there's a lot going on right now in the U.S. in particular around emergency alerts. And you know, so there's a national system that was approved uh, or written into law last year, um, you know, by the government, U.S. government, and sort of mandating the carriers to uh, provide a, a system for emergency alerts, sort of like we have emergency broadcast on television, um, you know, the same kind of thing. In fact, the same the same audio tone uh, that you used to get on the television, uh, you know, when they test the emergency broadcast system, that same tone is what gets pushed to, to a cellular device with this new uh, CMAS system, as it's called. Um, and so the way that system works is is the carriers are basically required to, um, you know, in, in situations like when you have the, the storm like Nemo or you've got a hurricane coming or you got whatever, um, you know, the, you, you basically push out, you know, notifications or warnings over the devices. It's not using SMS. It's just coming directly uh, into the device um, and, and basically, you know, broadcasting, you know, that there's an alert here. There's good. There's there's a good and bad to that. Obviously, people want to know uh, about you know disaster uh, about to happen around them and be able to to, to deal with it. Um, but I've already read stories based on the on the sort of this national system that you know people are getting the alerts in the middle of the night while they're sleeping. They're getting stuff you know like a, and it's and, and there's no way to really opt out of it or, or things like that. So that's kind of the national system. Ping Ping Four system is, is completely different because. This is an app-based system that does require opt-in. It's Android and iOS. Um, it's text and audio, uh, as well as multimedia data. And, and so there's a lot of possibilities in how you can use this. But what I really like about it, what really appealed to me about this in, in particular, is, is it's not just national emergencies and, and things like that that you can deliver information uh, about through the system. But, you know, it could be something very hyper-local, like, you know, specific to an individual building or university campus uh, issue or, you know, just a, something going on in a particular municipality. Uh, so, so I think there's, you know, obviously there's a need for national broadcast, emergency broadcast uh, systems like CMAS, but I think there's even more need uh, for you know, very hyper-local uh, emergency alerts. And I think the other thing, too, and then I'd love to hear your comments, Rob, but the other thing for me, too, about this is is that emergency alerts and location-based, you know, platforms like this re really work well together because 
you know, we talk a lot about privacy issues. We talk a lot about consumers, you know, and having to drive consumers to opt into services. I talk a lot about the reason for people to do that is about an exchange of value. And for me, this is, a, is an ideal exchange of value. I mean, I want to know when there's a problem. I want to know when there's something going to happen that, so I can take action about it. So there's, there's a definite exchange of value. I see a lot of people jumping onto a platform like this. I see a lot of governments and institutional organizations, you know, leveraging a platform like this. So, uh, you know, well done, you know, for ping four, uh, raising four million. Hope you can uh, build it out from there. Yeah, my, my initial reaction, as I told you before, we actually started recording was, you know, oh, like, I don't want multiple systems, right? So there's an emergency broadcast system. I understand that when something happens when, you know, in, in television, when my screen goes, goes blank, and that and, and that sound plays, I know, I'm, I'm, we're all conditioned, we all know what that sound is. We're all conditioned for that, and and what what I hate to see is competing uh, messaging going out on different platforms for different uh, devices, and that's why I like the ubiquitous nature of SMS and and feature phone is that it's it it works across the board, and I don't want there to be any confusion here between what you get from the CMAS uh, and ping for alerts and your local newspaper, right? They're all going to be pushing out the same kind of challenge or, or you know, if there's a if there's a storm, they're all going to be pushing out the same thing. And, and in a major city like New York during Sandy, right, you think about all the media pushing it out at one time. It, it, you, you want to make sure that these messaging is so clear, so clear, so clear. So that, that was my initial reaction. I said, no, no, we, we can't be competing here. There's only a billion smartphones on the planet. They're concentrated. A lot of them are concentrated in North America, but we cannot have one system that's an elite system for just smartphones and then not have anything for feature phones. So I think Ping for Alerts needs to bring something into the feature phone space. Maybe it's not as rich or robust or bring that focus. To, I love the university focus, the building focus, the campus focus. That to me, their target demographic are the folks carrying these devices, which are the kids going and, uh, you know, young adults going into university and colleges, working in the professional buildings. And I think, like, I, you think about everything that that can happen or may happen that, you know, that is happening in the U.S. right now uh, with the debates over gun control and things that happen in schools. This is this could be one of those tools that really, really, really is effective for localized challenges like this. And so I, I like this. I just think from a national scale, we have to, you know, standardize on one one one, uh, you know, messaging system for alerts like storms and, and you know, comets flying in through the sky and those kind of things, right? So that there's one voice of that. Um, but I, I really like what they've done here. I like, I like, I like the approach for campus, campuses and uh, universities and office buildings and small communities. Yeah. There you go. And they raise money. And, and I, yeah, I, I, this is great. Uh, this kind of stuff just shows you. And I even like the idea of moving into a commercial place, right? So for merchants and, and such. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's huge potential yeah. there. And, you know, and, and that, that whole sort of, you know, uh, I can't get off the value yeah. around this, you know, speci specifically for schools and campuses and, you know, building alert systems and things like that. I, I think this, there's this massive market that uh, that they're, that Ping4 is, uh, is positioned to tap into with something like totally. this. And the other thing, too, is because it's an app, you know, and I, I'm with you. I, I like the ubiquity of SMS and, you know, the fact that it reaches all, the, all phones. But, um, you know, remember, there's a lot of people on tablets, uh, you know, on Wi-Fi only. There's a lot of, you know, th you know, situations like that where, you know, a system like this where it's an app uh, can, can reach that device when, you know, the national SMS system cannot either. So, um, so it's, I think there's both sides to that. Discussion. It is, and, and whatever it is, we're, we are on the cusp. 
we are at the beginning of services like Ping Foreign. So uh, they're in the right place at the right time, and I think that they, they've chosen the right alley to go down. So if you're interested in these guys, they just raised four million bucks. I think it'll be the first of many rounds, and uh, certainly the first time, not the first time you'll hear of these guys going forward. Ping Four, that's the number four dot com. Raising four million dollars. Yeah, it's a good start to the show. I like I like that. I like the innovation here. Uh, certainly, certainly these guys are doing it. So, uh, now, listen, we've talked about our second story. We've talked about this company uh, or this, uh, what is it? A, a um, uh, These are a group of carriers that have banded together uh, called Weave, right? This is an organization called Weave. And, uh, and yep. is that, are they an association um, or are they just kind of like a, a band of brothers joined? No, I wouldn't call them an association, but they're certainly, uh, yeah, it's a consortium, consortium, right? I mean, that's a good word. This, uh, yeah. this is no different than the ISIS project in the U.S., yeah. Uh, we talked the other day about uh, Taiwan uh, carriers getting together and, and doing the same kind of thing in Canada. The carriers are working on this. So I think every every national jurisdiction right now, the carriers are banding together and looking for ways to, you know, sort of mass their subscriber bases together, you know, to unlock a hyper-local marketing opportunity. Well, but we uh, talked about, we, we talked about Weave coming together originally as a, as a payments, as a payments platform. platform, but then they they pivoted and said that's that's further down the road, and now we're going to focus on helping market product through this consortium, yeah. and and they actually exactly. did it, and they actually did it. So so it's it's good to see people following through on uh, on, on what they're promising, and uh, so they so this announcement is uh, in partnership with uh, Virgin Records. Uh, in the UK and uh, around Valentine's Day, which uh, has just happened, and what they did was, is they said, "Look, you know, mail shoppers are notorious for last-minute uh, purchases at all holidays and all occasions, but Valentine's Day being one of those." And uh, so they said, "Well, let's let's use this Weave platform. Let's do some location-based messaging, uh, and let, let's push out, uh, you know, a message to 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 mails." Um, and offering them an opportunity to pick up a, a certain album, uh, a certain Virgin Records album. And, um, you know, all of this is hyper-local, uh, you know, geofenced, uh, you know, based on the Weave platform and, and, and very much targeted. So it's, it's interesting. They also um, supported this with Facebook and, and, uh, and Twitter uh, campaigns uh, around this. And uh, apparently they're doing it again uh, in, in, uh, in May with Mother's Day. So Why, why, are, they, why are they picking on men? You know, well, everybody is. So, so you know, I brought this story forward. Uh, the, you know, this Virgin Records weave story. But Heineken did a campaign in New York uh, as well, uh, which we weren't going to talk about. But I'll throw it in here because it's the same thing. So basically, Heineken said, "Look, men are terrible about you know <laughs> buying stuff and 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 remembering to, to to do this." So what they did was is they worked with an agency in New York. I think it's uh, Wyden and Kennedy. I'm not sure. But, but I think so, um, and uh, I don't have the story in front of me. I'm going on memory here. And um, what they did was, is they had uh, um, the agency went and bought up uh, a bunch of uh, tables, seats at, at you know big restaurants across New York City, and uh, held them as reservations because men, you know, never remember to make a reservation for dinner, apparently. And uh, and Heineken did this, and then you could tweet, you know, a special hashtag to Heineken for a chance to get one of these uh, these tables in a, in a New York restaurant for your Valentine's Day dinner. So uh, there's a lot of this kind of stuff going on, um, you know, around around Valentine's Day and trying to uh, you know get after that, uh, you know, I guess reluctant or, or forgetful male shopper. Well, well, that would have been me, 
right? Had it not been for Blue Rodeo, we would have been having this conversation yesterday afternoon. It would have been the same thing. It would have been, so uh, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What have you got planned? I don't know. What do you want to do? That is exactly the conversation. So I'm, I'm more apt to go with a Heineken move, which is reserving some, some tables and allowing you to basically reserve by through Twitter than I am to go and buy the latest album. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fact that Weave is doing this and the fact that we, we are unfairly being targeted, you know, I've just basically agreed with the fact that pretty much most men suck on Valentine's Day. But, you know, yes. the staggering stat that I read was that we spent $15.6 billion on Valentine, Valentine's Day on cards and chocolate and candies. Oh, it's yep. such a, we got to, you know what, this is, this is our new business. We got to fabricate, we got to fabricate, we got to build our own holiday like this, or not even holiday, event where it's, it's just us that has the goods that people have to spend money. I don't care if it's a hundred million dollars or $2 million or anything like that. So Valentine's Day, $15.6 billion. It's big, big enough market. Four squares got four square day. We got to be able to have like LBMA day exactly. or something. Exactly. Like, it's just like, we got to make it big, got to make it big. 15.6 billion. So that's cool. I'm, I'm really impressed that we've actually pulled together and did this with with Virgin uh, Records. Uh, it just sounds so funny that it's a record store that that is the first innovation uh, from Weave uh, and they need the help uh, because most of them will just go and download it from iTunes anyways. There you go. All right, our third story. Uh, speaking about, uh, you know, these big companies um, certainly trying to figure out how to do location-based marketing. Uh, you know, they always, why do they always default to ads? And I guess that's the, the lowest common denominator. But uh, we're talking about Olive Garden and Applebee's, two huge chains in the United States and uh, some in Canada. But these, these companies are now starting to look at location-based targeting uh, banner ads or videos in order to be able to drive people into their restaurants or to find more information, download coupons, those kind of things. So these guys are actually getting into location, which is, which is interesting. But uh, you know, I'm mixed. I'm mixed on this because, man, uh, you know, they're not fast food. So it, it, like, you know, most of the people make a decision to go out to dinner. They're not trying to figure it out. And if they're gonna, if they're trying to figure out what they're gonna have, they're gonna have fast food, which is typically the way that we see things. But you know, talk about, uh, I mean, Olive Garden, Applebee's, two different ways of doing it, both location-based marketing. Yeah, um, the reason I pulled this out is, is obviously, uh, you know, it, it, first of all, it's nice to see, you know, the, the big fast casual restaurant chain stepping up and, and leveraging, you know, location to do better targeting. There's a study that came out uh, this week from Verve uh, Mobile that eConsultancy also referenced saying 27% of all brands uh, in the U.S. this year are going to invest in location-based uh, targeting or marketing. So uh, that's huge uh, to see that kind of number. And, and um, you know, for me, that's that's illustrated when you see brands like Applebee's, like mom and pop, you know, you know not mom and pop, but, you know, mother and pie, uh, might be a better term, uh, you know, brands, restaurants that people, you know, regular people go to, uh, you know, stepping up and, and kind of leveraging this stuff. Two completely different approaches to it. Uh, I, I'm going to say I, I really like the Applebee's one here because what they've done is they're using the Hulu uh, video platform. And so people, a lot of people use Hulu or Hulu Plus on the iPhone, consuming lots of video content. And what they've done is, is they're inserting 15-second uh commercials uh, in the middle of, of that whatever the video stream is that you're watching. Uh, and those commercials are obviously Applebee's commercials, uh, but in the top left corner uh, of the page is, is, a, is an ad uh, for Applebee's that when you click on it, it it's location-based, it you know finds from where you are right now, shows you directions on how to get to the closest Applebee's, you can view the local menu, you can even place an order. Uh, all directly through this system. So, so it's all enabled, uh, you know, all through this kind of video ad 
uh, insert um, on top of the Hulu platform. So I really like that. I think that's the, you know that's really smart and makes sense. Um, you know, for for brands to be doing this. Olive Garden, um, you know, similar kind of thing. Not using Hulu this time and not video, but uh, they're working in New York. Uh, they're working with NBC4, New York's app. So if you if you're a follower of NBC4, you know the local news um, channel. Uh, and you have their app, they're running mobile banner ads along the bottom of that app, uh, and then when you click on it, it takes you to information uh, about uh, some new uh, menu items, five different entrees that they're trying to promote with low calories and this kind of stuff, uh, and then there's a, there's a call to action there. there there's, you know, uh, a map, you can view a menu, you can, you know, you know do, do a bunch of things, you know, similar to, to the, uh, to the uh, Applebee's experience, except this time not video coming from a straight banner app, but all location targeting. Yeah, and I, I, I certainly like the Hulu piece before, uh, a little bit more because I think that you're setting up the expectation that that's going to be a destination for you to go to Applebee's. It's not like haphazard, like I'm, I'm walking around checking out the NBC app and then I'm, I'm going to decide that there's an Applebee's around the corner or a, um, a an Olive Garden around the corner and go to that. And I think that that's... It's interesting, but I like the Applebee's much better because I want to influence somebody. We talked about this last week. My, my gripe last week was I want to influence somebody from the couch to my door. That's what that's that's the big goal is get them out of the house, off of the couch or wherever they are. They could be in a hotel from there into your place of business. Don't leave it to chance by them walking around deciding to launch an app and then go into uh, and then find Olive Garden and then end up, uh, you know, clicking through and getting enticed by a healthy menu and then clicking on another button to get the directions. It's just too much, right? You, you've got to remove uh, that that barrier, uh, the complexity. Uh, and so I think that it, it's a good start, but I, I definitely like the Applebee's approach much better. There yeah. you go. All right. Those first three stories. We got much more, but we're going to break this up a little bit because we have got Sampo, who is the CEO and the founder and the chief designer for this great app that I just love still to this day. It's I check it 10 times a day. Um, so I sat down. I finally got actually got a, a moment with him. And uh, we talked about the app. We talked about moves. We talked about the reason why he built it, a little bit of the history. And I'm just going to give you a, a, a small sampling of that conversation. The whole thing will be available on Untether.tv in the coming weeks. Please go and check it out when you have a moment to do that. Subscribe to the newsletter and you'll, you'll get it in your inbox. You don't even have to think about it. Or subscribe to the iTunes feed. You just won't have to think about it. Um, but here is Sampo uh, Karjalainen. Karjalainen. It's Karjalainen. Uh, who is the CEO and the chief designer of Moves, and he is going to just talk about this great app and the uh, you know it took him a year, Asif, to to build this thing. Oh, fascinating! Anyways, I'll let I'll let Sample explain it. Here he is. Welcome, Sample. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you spending some time here with us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, so uh, I have been. Um, proclaiming I have been uh, talking about moves since it was launched since I saw this app I, I, I nearly died when I saw it I, I tried it out almost immediately fell in love with it now I use it every single day I check it 10 times a day for those people who have not heard about what moves is can you describe what moves is yeah sure so moves is an activity tracker for the rest of us it, it makes your physical activity visible and helps people kind of understand their life it's also like an automatic diary of your life. So it shows the places you've been to and the activities you have done. And we think that by making the everyday activity visible, we make people more mindful about their everyday life. 
and we think it kind of helps people build kind of intrinsic motivation to move more and have nice experiences outdoors and things like that. Well, so it's really designed for people who don't consider themselves as, as kind of active sports people. It's for people who benefit most from kind of everyday walking and cycling and kind of that type of activities. You know, it, it, it took me by surprise that, that just in the course of a day without, I'm, a, I'm an active guy, I, I, I go to the gym quite often, um, you know, and I, and I pride myself on that, but, but it just, I never thought about how much I walk during the day, up and down the stairs, around picking my kids, going mm -hmm. to school, in the grocery store, and all of a sudden I'm realizing that, you know, to, to get an extra four, five, six, seven kilometers in your day, that's what that's what the typical person is walking that they're not even tracking. So this really does give a glimpse into that. It's pretty, I mean, as I said, I've extolled the virtues of this for three weeks now, and I love this app. And uh, but I think that it signifies a greater shift in this kind of passive data collection world in, on on these mobile devices that I want to talk to you about. But before we even dive into moves, who are you? Sampo? Like you are you're, <laughs> yeah. you're in Helsinki and so, and so my background is in virtual hotels. I, I, I founded this company called Sulake, which made a Habo Hotel, a virtual world for teenagers. We started like a, in year 2000, so it's, it's quite a dinosaur in, in the internet age. Uh, so I was the chief creative officer, the co-founder of the company, and uh, built this Habo world for 10 years. So we, we kind of reached the 50 million euro annual revenue level around 2008 or so. And, uh, but eventually I kind of got a little bit bored with uh, with virtual worlds and, and games in general and I, I moved on and for the past one year I've been fully focused on on building moves so kind of a serial entrepreneur with with Habo behind me <laughs> so how did you make that transition um, you know you raised a little, little bit of money for moves of 1.6 million was it euros or yeah, it was 1.6 million euros that you raised for uh, that's dollars dollars okay yeah. So how did, how did you make that transition from this virtual world for that you've been doing for what 10 years into this you know why make that transition into this kind of app or this kind of business? Yeah, well I've been let, let's say that I I've never been really a, like a games person like when we created Habo we we thought it's more like a open playground. Yeah. We were much more interested in the kind of open-ended play aspects of Habo. Uh, how people and teenagers came up with their own activities, events, games inside the, the environment. So it's a little bit like Second Life, but it's in your browser and it has this kind of pixel retro aesthetics. Uh, so it's much more approachable because you just can just go to the website and start to use it immediately. And uh, well, I've been always kind of interested in, in kind of this kind of quantified self or just uh, documenting my life. So uh, I, I did a number of experiments, uh, like uh, some years ago, trying to record all kinds of digital stuff that I leave behind, collect it to my hard disk, and, and try to analyze in different ways. And uh, it's, it, this is kind of a continuum of, of that train of, of thought. And uh, together with, with the other Habo co-founder, Apo Kyrölä, we, 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 we first founded Habo, and now we founded this move. So, so we kind of continue together. <laughs> The, the concept of, of uh, continuous or always on in the background, um, mm. you know, that really appeals to me um, because, you know, as, as I see this is that there's a, now a battle going on for 
uh, and maybe you can talk about this, there's a battle going on for the front screen. There's studies that have been done in Germany around, uh, you know, the way that people, there are seven different ways that people organize their apps, right, on the front screen and in folders, by categories, by uh, by actions, by activities. It's, it's, it's very in-depth, and it's it's all of a sudden becoming a, a, a profession to study how people uh, put apps on their devices. And and uh, so there's it's so competitive. Now, now what I love about this is that there are very there are a few apps. I, I've seen it in Moves. I've seen it in this this app called Flock, where it just runs. You launch it, you install it, you launch it, and it just runs. And you're not worried about front screen because it always is there. How? Uh, mm. yeah, I mean, walk through the methodology that you guys went through. Is it you 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 just want to be collecting data all the time, and this is the easiest way to do it? Yeah, it's it's an kind of all day activity tracking app, so it, it needs to run continuously in the background. And luckily, the iOS currently supports that type of a use case. At least, like a, it, it's it's an okay support, but it could be improved a lot. So, so I think uh, uh, Apple and of course Google they they could support the use case even better. But it's it's good enough to get started and and. Uh, that that's kind of the whole point of, of moves that it works continuously in the background uh, and i think it's ushering in this new generation of apps and i think that it's it's incredible and and um so you talked about it very quickly about this the the, the technical challenges that you guys have gone through over the last year as you've as you've been huddled around testing this application before launch i mean when did you start in the actual development of what is now moves well, the first prototypes of the of the continuous tracking was was done like uh, over a year ago, I think in December or January, two thousand and twelve. Yeah. Uh, twelve, yeah. Uh, so after that, we we kind of set up the the full team and and started to develop the actual version and really built like a production quality uh, product. But we had to do quite a lot of R and D to to figure out the the ways that we can conserve battery and and try out all kinds of algorithms. Uh, to, to recognize the activities and uh, also the places recognition was like another challenge that we, we we were not quite sure if we're able to do it but eventually we found out a way to 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 do that as well uh, in addition to the activity recognition uh, it's been a lot of work it, it wasn't like full, fully clear if we we're able to do all of this but uh, uh, well, luckily we learned some things kind of as we as we worked on it and uh, it's it's been great to, to be able to kind of show that it's doable with the current technology. So uh, obviously one of the biggest uh, challenges that you had to overcome was uh, with, with pervasive connectivity comes pervasive battery drain, right? So, mm. I mean, you obviously worked around that and uh, through all your frequently asked questions and, and everything that I've read uh, about you guys is that, uh, well, this is an always on uh, piece of software. It, it doesn't always, it, it isn't always connected to GPS. It isn't always going out and draining your battery. So. I mean, obviously, that was the biggest hurdle. Would you say that you guys had to get through this past year? Yeah, we we kind of experimented with the ways to to make the uh, sensor data and location data collection kind of adaptive, so that it 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 kind of tries to understand what the what the user is doing, and for example, kind of stay on the cell tower level location most of the time, and then when something interesting starts to happen, it goes to like uses GPS occasionally. And it's also like a balancing that when you're moving and we're showing the routes on map, like how accurate we we, we want to make those routes. Uh, it's it's a balancing act between the battery and 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 uh, the accuracy. And for the kind of activity recognition, so that we really recognize whether it was walking, cycling, running, or 
for some trans way of transportation. Uh, there we also kind of need to have uh, quite a bit of data to, to make those educated guesses what, what was the actual activity and uh, I think it works pretty well. It's, it's a good, good start and we, we can improve quite a lot as we go along. So for those who would like some more information about Moves, about why they built it, some of the intricacies on how they built it, this interview is, is fascinating because there's really, no business, there's really no business model at this point, but they had a, they had a plan. They set out and had a plan and uh, you know the technology challenges to see if that they had were, were really around battery consumption and the way that they had to conserve uh, data and not rely on the GPS and they're using cell tower triangulation. They're doing everything that they can so that they don't have to go out and keep an always on pervasive connection to GPS so that they can track all this stuff. But you know what? More than terabytes per day is being collected by these guys and they're crunching it up in the cloud and they're sending it back to your device in almost real time. It is incredible. And the fact that they've had they've had 750,000 downloads in the first 10 days of the life of that app. And they their infrastructure had have had a total of 23 minutes of outage time during that period of time. He says that they're basically in there shucking servers. They're basically bringing servers in and plugging them in and plugging them in. And then... Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to keep the infrastructure up. And uh, it, it's fascinating. Anyways, the, the entire interview is just like that. Sampo is a really intriguing guy. And uh, I love this app. And I love the the business that they're getting into, the inference space. And uh, man, uh, big things coming for them. Uh, are you still using that thing? I am. Yeah, it's, it, I completely agree. It's very cool. We've, uh, I mean, the, the apps we've been pulling out the last couple of weeks have just been uh, really interesting. I, I like this this little segment uh, that we do uh, each week on, you know, on a specific app, and uh, you know, it, it's fun because you get to play with stuff. You get to like, you know, really dig into it and test it out and and, and see the true value and, uh, you know, provide you know, sort of more personal insight. Let's yeah. go. So. Well, I appreciate Sample for coming on and uh, allowing us to use that clip. And uh, when it's available, make sure you go and check out the whole thing if you're interested in uh, certainly that space. All right, back to the stories. Back to the important things that happened in this past week in the location-based marketing world. Now, here, uh, you know, our fourth story is around Yahoo acquiring a company called Alike. And on first blush, you think, okay... They acquired a company called Alike, just like it says. All the news items say, hey, listen, we acquired a company called Alike. But see, this wasn't, they didn't acquire the company. They didn't acquire Alike, did they? No, they, it, it's another one of those cases of we want a good development team that understands location and maybe we can do something with that. And, and you know, Yahoo's been out. Marissa, since Marissa Mayer came over, to run Yahoo, uh, you know, we know she's she's all about location. You know, she comes from Google, running that platform. Um, you know, and and she's been quietly going out and acquiring companies. We know they're gonna they're on a big acquisition tear. They're they're looking for more companies to buy. They bought uh, Snippet. They bought um, what was that uh, on the air? I think it was called, which is like a WebEx type uh, platform, uh, video meeting platform. Um, you know that that is very much location based uh, as well, and and now they buy Alike, which is you know was a platform for uh, finding you know nearby places that your friends also like, which is hence the name Alike. You know what do my friends like? Oh, I'm sort of like them, right? Um, whatever. Um, and uh, they're shutting it down, so it's not it's not going to continue on as a service. Uh, so this is a complete you know we're buying a development team and and, and some data. 
that comes with it. I, I don't know how many users alike had. I don't know. If, I didn't see any numbers on that. I didn't see any numbers on on the value of this acquisition. But apparently the guys that don't like are happy. Uh, they found a way out, and uh, good for them. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it, isn't it? They found a way out. Yeah. Uh, you know what? And, and there, there is a uh, – so there are people that feel my frustration, and, and uh, you, you know you, you know this, my frustration around companies that, that just – like you put your trust in these guys. You know, I talked about this with Milk in the same way that they did this. And, and uh, you know, you put your trust in these guys that, that they're building a platform that, that they're going for the long haul. And I know it's hard to turn down millions of dollars. We don't even know what the value of this is. But don't veil this as an acquisition of the company. This was not an acquisition of the company. This was, they're not even going to use the data. Like, this was a straight out, we want that team. Do not do that. And, and you know, at least on the Alike website, and I'll pull it up here, what they say is, as you can see here, they say, Alike is joining Yahoo Mobile. So at least there's an honest factor that says, no, we weren't acquired. We got paid to close down our company, piss off yeah. all of our users, send them adrift because it was immediate. There was no like, you know, 30 day warning. It's like, no, as of right now, we've shut it down. And this kind of stuff is going to hurt our industry. And this is the second time that Yahoo's done this with a company that they've acquired. And well, it's no different than Facebook and Guala nope. or any of those nope. kinds of things. It's the same, same, you know, modus operandi. It drives here. me crazy. So, uh, you know what? However, if I was offered 5 or $10 million from the founder's side, I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Take it. Get out as quickly as you can. Never turn down the money. <laughs> but it's a, uh, but just position it properly. And there's got to be an evergreening. Like, you know, regardless of how many people use Yahoo services or use Facebook services or use Instagram or, or use Microsoft products or any of that kind of stuff, you have to pay attention to the user. And because that's going to come back and bite you be, simply because uh, if you're pissing off the people who are eventually going to become your customers and they're going to go somewhere else, like the Alike folks that were using Alike, do you huh? think that they're really now partial to Yahoo for doing that? Probably not. It's like the Montreal Expos baseball team and Major League Baseball shut down in Montreal and moved to Washington to become the Washington Nationals. I can't be a fan of the Washington Nationals. No, 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 no. They stole my team. They shut my team down and they moved it to Washington. No way. Right. right? It's the same thing here with, with, with uh, you know, Alike or any company that does this. So just to have that in mind. I'm not saying don't take the money. I'm just saying at least have a have a grandfather clause, have a have a you know a I don't know a retirement plan or something that means like in 60, 90 days there's got to be continuity to get your data out and make sure that there's an easy way to transfer it so that you don't piss people off. Soapbox off. Yahoo acquires. I'm all with you on that one, buddy. Yahoo hires the alike team and kills that company. That's the that's the title that they should have put out there. So. Hmm. It's a good thing hmm. it's our last story, right? Almost. Yeah. We got. We, we do have a great story to finish. It up is. With, That's what I mean. It's good. To, it's good. So from the depths of frustration into this, our fifth and last story before our resource of the week. This I I, I like. I think it's going to signal in and completely usher in a completely new era of uh, insurance and health claims and uh, coverage and provision uh, of insurance. And I think this is pretty cool. What generally. Insurance partnering with Telefonica. This is cool. Yeah, this is super cool. Uh, so basically, what they what they launched is is a new kind of uh, insurance uh, automobile insurance uh, policy called Pay As I Drive. And effectively, what they're doing is just they're using data collected from the device, location based data, driving habits data, you know, kind of just a bunch of data that they're collecting from the device, and based on your driving habits. 
you can you can basically pay all, all, you can you can earn almost up to a forty percent discount off of the normal uh, insurance premium uh, pricing. So that's this is huge. I mean, this is the ability to sort of so they look at the number of miles you drive. Uh, you know, over the course of a period of time, over a year, they look at whether you drive more during the day or the night. They look at, you know, urban, suburban. They, you know, they look at, uh, you know, how, you know, how much, how quickly you accelerate, how much, you know, how quickly you brake. You know, all that kind of stuff, the data that they're collecting off of, uh, you know, the vehicle. Uh, and all of this is machine-to-machine -machine stuff. They're collecting the data as you're driving. They're feeding that data into a system. They're aggregate, aggregating that data and building a profile about you. But again, you know, as I said earlier, you know, this might sound scary stuff, but it's about value, right? So at the end of the day, do you care if you're giving up that data? If at the end of the day you're going to pay 40% less for your insurance? I, I bet you a lot of people don't. You know, they'd rather save the, save the money and, and, you know, and give that data away. Um, and, and effectively, too, that they, they expect a system like this, Generali and Telefonica, is actually going to change people's driving habits. They're going to actually get them to drive better uh, and be more aware. And, and the nice thing about this is, is that as they're monitoring, as the system's monitoring your driving habits, you can actually, as a user, you can actually go in and look at that yourself and, and kind of you know, be aware exactly of what they're collecting and, and, and you know, make changes to your driving habits accordingly. So you have that ability to personally audit and look at that data. There's full transparency uh, in the system. Um, you know, I, I really like it. It's iOS and Android, so it's cool. Yeah, this this ushers in the whole. Like, I am a. Uh, I eat well. I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink that often. Uh, and uh, you know, I I, I I eat healthy. I work out. Um, I exercise quite effectively. But I still pay the almost the same premiums as somebody. You know, when I when I got my insurance. As somebody the same age as me who was a smoker or was overweight, you know, maybe there's a, a, a marginal difference. And I think that the same way is that I haven't, I, you know, knocking on as much wood as I can here. Um, I haven't been in an accident in, in 27 years in my car, right? And that's an incredible amount of time. But still, my insurance premiums have gone down steadily, maybe 8% in that 27 years since that last accident. Because when I got into the accident, it shot up 80%, right? My, my premium at that point. Yeah. So. I, I love this idea. It's elitism, and I kind of like it, right? Is that if you put the effort yeah. in and you do the right things, and you're rewarded for it, you're not just a common person. And I think that uh, that that's what that's why I like this. Uh, you know, it's going to punish the people who are on the flip side, it's, and if and it it's going to put a. It's, I think it's going to strike fear into people who are worried about privacy. But we're going to start to see more and more of this. And and you know, when you start to see apps like Moves diet apps that are coming out uh you know the uh the location uh, aware applications on uh on on your smartphone the things like foursquare all that data paints a picture of how you live your life you know you know your grocery bill and the restaurants that you eat at and the places that you frequent on friday nights or saturday nights that's all at some point can have an impact on insurance it is it's good totally it's and it should yeah. I, I, I mean, I think this is, you know, it, you know, it's it, it's it's all about, uh, um, you know, just optimal pricing models, right? It, you know, uh, you know, it, it's no different in some respects than how you know airline tickets are priced today, based on you know uh, supply and demand, or you know uh, a hotel uh, or, or anything else, right? I mean, and I, I think you know it, it's time we get some of that kind of thinking into these other industries. And so I love what Generali is doing in Telefonica here. So by the way, I don't know if we said it at the outset, this is in Spain. Yeah. Uh, where where these guys are based, um, and uh, yeah, amazing stuff. Very cool, very cool.
Well, some controversy there, right? I'd love to know what you think about that or any of the five stories. And certainly, if you uh, enjoyed the Moves app and, and Talk Bits as well as our uh, fascination this week, reach out. You can reach out. I said at the very beginning, you can do it through email, do it through Twitter, do it through untether.tv forward slash talk. If your story wasn't there, if you wanted to be a part of this, please give us your comments. Let us know. We'll include them throughout the, uh, the episode next week or the week after or the week after that. But remember, keep it to 30 seconds if you're going to use that uh, untether.tv slash talk. One last, one last thing for you. If the show wasn't good enough already, we're going to throw one more thing in here. And this is one of the, uh, the powers of big data and companies like Esri who actually have been collecting this stuff for freaking years. And the ability to collect it almost immediately, understand it, synthesize it, distribute it. This is a really, really, really cool resource, Asif. Yeah, it's awesome. And again, it's another uh, Valentine's Day uh, one. But, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be Valentine's Day. I mean, this is just about the power of big data, really, is, is what this story is about. And Esri is, uh, as you said, you know, one of the, uh, you know, the stalwarts in this space that's been doing this for a long time and has just amazing data. And so what they've done is, is a, a survey conducted by Big Insight uh, with the NRF, actually, looking at spending around uh, Valentine's Day. So people, you know, apparently spend $18.6 billion on Valentine's candy, cards, gifts, you know, whatever else, jewelry, etc. Uh, and um, so they, they basically put this this uh, this chart or graph together uh, using Esri data and showing you know sort of you know where people are most likely to go to, to order flowers, looking at how people are consuming flowers. Uh, and different kinds of things by by geography. So looking, you know, where the propensity for these things are in different parts of the U.S. Um, so just really, really great data. Um, we'll throw the we'll throw the graph up on uh, the infographic up on uh, on the LBMA research uh, site as well for for people to check it out. So, I big fan of this. I, I mean, I you know uh, now I'm a big fan of this from a mobile standpoint. And let me let me spend a minute here for a, that reason is that what what these maps are showing us here. I'm just going to pull up the average amount uh, spent for jewelry by zip code. So it shows you the density zero to one hundred dollars all the way up to four hundred to six hundred and sixty three dollars. And there's certain spots that actually do that. But what this shows you is where people where you should be targeting your ads, um, location based ads in apps, for example. Is that where are people spending the amount of money? Where is it ripe for disruption? It's not the you don't want to you know, like Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, not so good. You don't want to you don't want to spend a lot of money on targeting there. But you it, the high concentration of people that are spending money on those uh, in those areas is where you want to target this. And I, and I love that kind of targeting. It's not about flowers, but it could be if you run an online flower uh, business and you're based in California, you're based in Canada. It doesn't matter. Target where they're spending all the money. Right. Start 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 yeah. being around that and, and maybe not where they're spending the brunt of the money, the four hundred to six hundred and sixty three dollars a year, but maybe in the mid tiers and they're being underserved. This is this data can be used for disruption. Oh, my God. And that is why I love the big data when it's displayed like this. Yeah, and, and, and what they've leveraged here in particular with Esri is, is Esri has this thing called ta tapestry segmentation. So they've built this system taking the U.S. Uh, and breaking it into 16 unique market segments or neighborhoods, residential neighborhood segments, and then kind of then done this analysis based on, on that. So, so it's not just geographic data. No. It's geographic data plus demographic and socioeconomic data all layered together yeah. uh, into these tapestries 
or these 65, you know, sort of segments that they put together that kind of break the U.S. into these groupings. Uh, and then with based on that, then you can start to look at it and go, well, you know, uh, p the people who are most likely to purchase flowers, uh, as they say here, you know, uh, on the Internet are from Boombergs, Metro, Renters, Suburban Splendor, and Top Rung, which are these, these particular tapestries that, they, that they've come out with. Uh, and so, so they can look at these things. And then you can also look at it and say, okay, to your point around you know, how do you better target ads then? So look at it and go, okay, well, within that uh, Suburban Splendor category, you know, what, what apps are those people using, right? What, you know, what is the density of, of app usage within that community? You know, is it Hulu? You know, to the uh, to the Applebee's thing that we were talking about before, or is it uh, Pandora, or is it you know the Weather Channel, or is it you know what? And then you can look at it and go, okay, that's cool because now I can say as a brand, I can say, well, if I'm Applebee's, great. Well, maybe Hulu for that particular market that I want isn't the right one. Maybe I need Pandora instead because right. um, it, it 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 reaches that demographic. It's that ability to layer data and and correlate data sets, which is what I really like about this. Yeah. And I think that what it signifies is it just shows you the the density of the data that a company like Esri has, you know, and 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 the way that they present that data is is the most important thing. You know, everybody's collecting data. It's how you actually present and use and display that data that is key. And my, like this is just a treasure trove, and and this is free. They put this up for free, right? You don't have to pay. And you know it kicks Foursquare's ass when it comes to this kind of this kind of information. And these guys have been doing it for a long time. Why recreate the wheel? You've got the information right here, at least for the most part. So please, just uh, that's at smartblogs.com. You'll be able to uh, actually get it on on tether.tv wherever you find this. Look look in the show notes. But if you do a search for who buys all the flowers and jewelry on Valentine's Day, exactly that, uh, you will find this article with with the uh, with the great maps that I've just been displaying. Awesome. Great resource. That stuff gets me excited. Yeah. Yeah. That is it. Now, if only, if only we can get Ezri to work with Springsteen and start to layer some data, real data together. But again, you know, it would Rock, be like... It, it, I, think, I think you'd have to retire at that it point. It would be like, it would be the demographic of like, where are the old white guys? Because that's, I mean, that's yeah. what Springsteen, you know, a joke, but he actually brings some very, very young kids too. The reason I had kids, really, quite frankly, is so that I can actually get some attention from Springsteen into concert. He's just got to live long enough so that I can bring my six-year-olds. So they're too young to go to a show. So he's got to tour for another five years before I feel comfortable bringing him in. And that point, he'll be 68. And I, and I'm, you know, I don't think that he'll be out on the road. So I know those data. Well, stones are still out on yeah, the road. Exactly. But, you know. Well, that is it. Episode number 117. Nailed. Finished. Done for this day you know valentine's day plus one february 15th we'll be back next week to see if there's anything coming up in the next week that you uh that's important that everybody should know you're going to be around i'm going to be around i'm doing a uh, an event here in toronto next week called cross media to where we're looking at that sort of integrated media and how location fits into that so if you're in toronto come out to cross media to uh highly recommend that as i said hope to see you in atlanta or at dse uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, plenty of stuff on the uh, the lbma.com forward slash events. Uh, check that out. Check out the research that's there. Look at those uh, infographs that we put out last week. Some phenomenal data there as well. So lots of great stuff going on. Uh, looking forward to episode 118. Crazy. 118. Last plug, go to DX3. DX3Canada.com in Toronto, March 6th and 7th of this calendar year. If you are listening to this later than that, too bad you missed it. But put it in your calendar for next year. It's a great event. We will be there. 
All right, Asif, we'll see you next week for episode number 118. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for participating. Really, really, really appreciate it. And remember to vote this five stars in iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. Asif, see you next week, man. Cheers. <laughs>